God is good. Amen? Amen. Amen. Let me begin this morning with a question. How many of you here, and I'm speaking only to the married couples in the room, so I apologize to everybody else, but how many of you remember your first anniversary? It's not a trick question. There's not going to be any quiz that follows to see if husbands and wives remember the same first anniversary for those of you who are further along in the journey of life. But for many, anniversaries are are a big deal, right? And Melinda and I would have loved them to be, but for the fact that on our very first, which happened to even be on a Saturday, I had to work. Now, we're not talking about a little overtime, like from noon, you know, nine to noon, or even a full day from nine to five so that you could have had time for dinner and even made plans for afterwards. I was engaged from 7 a.m. until 11 p.m. Yeah, I was working at my alma mater, and I was an admissions counselor, and I was thankful for a job. It's one of the first. I would have either been that or working at Walmart, which would have still been a job, but I was thankful, so I didn't complain. But on the day of our first anniversary, which as I said, it was a Saturday, it just so happened that we were hosting a new student retreat, and my job required my presence to oversee over 300 potential new freshmen and women as they came to experience the joys of college that might be there should they intend and enroll at Washtenaw Baptist University in the fall. The joy of college, but of course, without any classes. And in my case, without a break to spend with my beautiful wife of a year at that day. And so to be fair, I loved the retreat. I enjoyed engaging with the students, and it certainly broke up the boredom of of sitting in my office pretending to be a telemarketer for most of the time. But it meant that our first anniversary, so the one on which you're supposed to pull out the cake that's been in the freezer for the past year, you know, the one where you you can still actually remember the names and faces of your bridesmaids and your groomsmen, the one that's supposed to set the standard for all other anniversaries to follow. I left my lovely wife just after the sun had rose, and I did not return until well after it had set. It's a pretty sucky way to spend the first anniversary. And yet, this was even in the pre-cell phone days, so it's not like we could commiserate, text back and forth through cellular communication. And by by the time my boss let me leave, I was beat. But I had learned enough to go armed with a list or a whole day full of stories to tell Melinda in hopes of easing the inevitable disappointment. So I walked over to the house, and we still, I didn't need to drive. We lived like a block from campus. And so I walked, and I still remember going in the front door and announcing my arrival with some some form of reconciliatory preparatory phrase like, hey, Melinda, you're not going to believe what, or hey, babe, you're not going to, you never guess who, but the moment I walked around the corner, my sentence stalled. It's kind of like Emmett from the Lego movie, and if you're not familiar with that reference, then this is basically what transpired. I came around the corner, and I was like, hey, babe, you'll never believe what, I couldn't finish my thought. I could not finish my thought because standing in front of me in the living room was the most beautiful woman I have ever seen. No offense, ladies. Adorned in her wedding dress at 11 o'clock at night. Now, Melinda's been waiting for who knows how long. I mean, she knows, and she's never told me, so it's a good thing. She's not bearing it against me, but who knows? In that moment, I completely forgot about the rest of my day. All the things that I had intended to tell her were lost. All that my puny little man mind could produce in that moment were sounds of awe and adoration, facial expressions. I was completely overcome by the sight of my bride. All the conversations that I planned were consumed 
by expressions of love. Can you relate, guys? Can you relate? In church, in that moment, standing in the presence of my wife, all I could process was her radiance. And all I could produce were sounds celebrating that reality. And in a sense, as it's been referenced already, this is what I believe should be the experience of every believer when they turn to the Lord in prayer. But sadly, our reaction to the stunning beauty of God's presence is often, hey, what's for dinner, honey? Or, hey, could you make sure these clothes get clean because I want to make sure I wear them tomorrow. We somehow, we enter the house, so to speak, and we come face to face with the bride, but we walk right past her, plunk ourselves down in front of the TV, and we start making demands. We, we fail to see and be appropriately humbled by God's majesty. And I believe for many, our prayer lives consist of little more than demands that we yell over our shoulder to brides in the kitchen while we sit in the recliner filling our minds with just garbage. Emmanuel, this is not the relationship Scripture pictures God desires with His people. And nor is this the biblical picture of prayer's purpose. And therefore, over the next four weeks, we're going to look together at Psalms 145, 51, 136 and 142 in order that we might develop a biblical appreciation for and and approach to prayer that follows the pattern Christ gave his disciples as was referenced in our confession this morning in Matthew 6 which we know together as the Lord's Prayer. So if you have your Bibles would you open them with me to Psalm 145 this morning? Psalm 145 and this psalm is a, a song or a prayer of praise, and it reflects the response that I believe our hearts ought first have when we encounter God in prayer for at least two reasons. The first of which is this this is how Jesus instructed us to begin. In his words spoken in Matthew 6, verse 9, this then, as he said, is how you should pray. Our Father in heaven, hallowed be your name. Meaning, God, may your name be treated with the highest honor, set apart as holy. It's a declaration of praise. And so Jesus taught his disciples to begin their prayers with praise. And this second is how the scriptures convey God's people's encounters with him generally beginning. And the case point to consider Isaiah chapter 6 where the prophet sees the Lord in a vision and he can't help but celebrate God. How? By describing what he saw. Holy, holy, Holy is the Lord God Almighty. Or Ezekiel chapter 1, where the prophet's experience of God's presence is so overwhelming, it leaves him flat on his face without any words to speak. Overcome by God's glory. Friends, I believe that when we pray, praise is the only appropriate point of departure. So, with that said, I want you to follow along as I pray this prayer of praise. Psalm 145. I will exalt you, my God the King. I will praise your name forever and ever. Every day I will praise you and extol your name forever and ever. Great is the Lord and most worthy of praise. His greatness no one can fathom. One generation will commend your works to another. They will tell of your mighty acts. They will speak of the glorious splendor of your majesty. And I will meditate on your wonderful works. They will tell of the wonder, the power of your awesome works. And 